Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Uh, take two was better than take one that you gave Robin. So, Balcony, are you good? I'm good. I just feel like there's so much space between us. You know, I want to make sure you guys are good up there. So, uh, welcome. Happy New Year. Man, it feels good, right? Like better than average to say Happy New Year, I feel like. Coming into 2021 now. Um, and yeah, I do have a new series that we're gonna be jumping into today. But before we get there, I just wanna pause for a moment and really just acknowledge uh, how much our staff poured out for the month of December. And so if you guys wouldn't mind just kind of giving them a thanks real quick, I just want them to know that they are appreciated and loved. Um, I mean, especially especially in the realm of what Steph did and poured out to make sure we had church at home and all those options really dialed up and functioning as well as they possibly could be, did an excellent job and they turned out amazing. So thank you for all that you put in to that. It was not easy. Uh, you filmed what? like 50 videos for the month of December. Like, you know, it was, it was so much work, so much that, was got, that got poured out. All the people who served uh, here Christmas Eve throughout the month of December, just so grateful for you. We had an awesome time uh, Christmas Eve and an awesome New Year's Eve communion service uh, that went well. And so, man, just really grateful. And then just really on behalf of like my family and our staff, we took, we took this week off. We didn't, um, we didn't come into the building at all, uh, minus for that Christmas Eve, New Year, or I'm sorry, the New Year's Eve uh, service, but really just got to refresh um, after just a really, really busy season and take that week and just really dial in and, and spend some time with our families. And so I know for my family, especially, we just want to say thank you for that opportunity to do that. It was great. Um, and I'm feeling refreshed, rejuvenated, ready to go and, and ready to jump into a new series here. If you're, if you're newer, um, our pattern is really has been for a long time at Good Shepherd, not just to jump into the kind of the first series of the year, although that is what this is, but really we hope that this first service or first kind of series, first week of the year would really help frame out what the rest of our year might look like. And so for years, what Kent modeled um, as the lead pastor was getting away and, and spending some time in the fall to really seek some direction for the Lord going, okay, God, what is it that you want us as a body to really orient ourselves around or focus on in this coming year. And so Katie and I did that back in October. We went down to Colorado Springs and spent just a couple days down there really praying and seeking the Lord. Um, and I'll say like this year, it was, it was just pretty clear as we were going down what it, the Lord was kind of stirring already in us. We were in Kent's empowerment class at that time. And so you think about a, a class where we're living or learning how to live our lives in a naturally supernatural kind of way. There's this focus on the Holy Spirit and what it looks like to just walk with him. And, and really that was just this like kind of idea you just couldn't kick out of your head while we were down there and we were praying and asking the Lord to just kind of give us an idea. And, and it just, we kept honing in on this phrase that was according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit, and Doug, you can throw that graphic up, but it's, it's found in Romans chapter 8. And so I'd hope we, it's found in the, um, the first part of Romans chapter 8 here. It was such a, such a big text, such a, like Romans chapter 8 is one of the like meatiest chapters maybe in all of Scripture. And I'm so pleased our, our high school just went through it uh, like verse by verse at the tail end of the, of the year last year. And so like, I'm just so proud of and pleased with our high schoolers just really nail down that block of text that is just, it's so much to take in and they just walked right through it. But in this, in this passage, Romans chapter eight, starting in verse one, you can open there if you have your Bible. Otherwise we'll throw it up on the screen as usual, but 
Um, it starts off with Paul saying, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of, of life has set you free in Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, which was weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and so that's what we just spent all of last month kind of looking at, is how this incarnational moment that was so humbling for God to put on human skin, there's a reason for it. He comes dressed like that in human skin um, so, that, so that he could do something that the law couldn't do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Why? Why did he do that? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So in us, there was this adjustment that happened in us. And this closing sentence here is, is now how we're going to fix our eyes for these next several weeks. Is that those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of of the Spirit. And so there's this, there's this idea that's sort of planted right here that Paul's saying, it's like you can really live out your life in one of two ways. You can, you can live out your life according to your flesh, which we'll, we'll get into maybe what that looks like in more detail in coming weeks, but the, it's just living your life for you, doing what you feel, following the compulsions of your body, going after the things that you desire, living your life really in rebellion to how Jesus designed us to live. And that was in lockstep, in accordance with walking with his spirit. And so now as we're going to like kind of look at, there's, there's a way that, yeah, okay, I can live my life for me. I can live my life set on my ways, or I can live my life with my eyes fixed, my heart set on following after the Spirit of God. And so I want to explore all that that means. And, and I know that like even just saying that maybe elicits a couple reactions in some of us. When, I, when, I, when you think of a, a Christian full of the Holy Spirit, living their life, being compelled by the Spirit, I think our brains tend to react in a couple different ways, and it largely depends on our church background, if we're honest. So some of you, I say, okay, we're going we're gonna to take the next several weeks, and we're just going to look at what it looks like to live our lives according to the Spirit, and, and you go, oh no. I knew he'd go full charismatic at some point. Like, like, they're like just waiting for all the tambourines to get busted out in church and all the people start dancing in worship. And okay, like, like maybe that's what we're talking about, but, but really probably not. And so there's some of you that, that think because of maybe your church background, maybe you grew up a little more fundamental, maybe a little more Baptist setting. And you go, I, I know those charismatic churches. I know those crazy churches. And I thought this was not one of those churches. And then for some of you, your church background is one of those charismatic, crazy churches, and you're just like, finally, I knew it. Like, you have your tambourine in your bag, ready to go right now, and you've just been waiting for a time that you could pull that thing out and get going. And you're like, okay, when are we, when are we doing all the crazy stuff? I, I knew we'd finally get into it. Like, depending on where you come from, it's going to elicit a couple different reactions when you hear that phrase, according to the Spirit. What does it look like for us as a church to be living, to have our, to have our minds set on living according to the Spirit? And, and then I think there's maybe a lot of us, maybe even most of us, uh, that just don't have a church background. And so you go, all right, uh, what, what does this even mean? I, I think of myself 10, 12 years ago when I was first being introduced to Christianity and it was like living according to the Spirit. And I go, okay, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay, he's, he's in Scripture. 
He's in scripture. I, I see this person. I see that it's just, it's, it's part of who God is, is the Holy Spirit. And so I'm interested. I don't know what it looks like. There's a lot of weird and wacky context that church makes of the Holy Spirit, but really he's God. He's the person of God. And so um, what I would love to just really pull us all into today, the thought that I kind of want to leave you thinking about as we're walking out of this building today is, have you ever felt like when you're reading scripture and you're reading about the characters in the Bible and you're seeing the life that they're living, do you ever feel like there's a gap between the Christianity that we're settling for and the Christianity that we're reading about in the Bible? I think we'd all say that we, we feel that to some extent. That we go, okay, there, there's, there are crazy demonstrations of God's power in Scripture that, that I just have not seen. Uh, there, there's uh, instances of just like people getting saved by the, by the bus filled. Do you know what I mean? Like just thousands of people getting saved. And I just, I haven't seen that happen. People who are willing to lay down their life and do anything for Jesus. And that's just, if I can be really honest, maybe that's just not how we feel. Right, like, like we read scripture and we hear about the people who are ready and willing to be martyred for Jesus, the people who are ready and, ready and willing to be so generous for the church, who are, who are willing to do anything for the name of Jesus, who are even doing these crazy things. You're seeing radical healings, you're seeing, seeing radical like life transformation happening and you're like, I just don't see that today. If we can be honest. And so there's this gap we, we feel this, like we know this. Not, I'm not saying this to have this indictment on church today. They're just, we, we read scripture and we go, man, yeah, that would be cool. I would love to see something like that. It'd be really building for my, have you ever thought that before? It'd be really building for my faith to see something like this actually happen with my own two eyes. Haven't we, haven't we said that? And so here's this quote by Billy Graham. And I think we should keep in mind the context of like who Billy Graham was. Like he wasn't just a preacher. He's a guy who interacted and saw and preached to millions of people. So, so I mean, he traveled all different, you gotta imagine he's at one point is probably having conversations with the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor. Like all people in all sorts of different backgrounds and stories. Like Billy Graham has preached to and seen almost every Christian human story that there is to see. You know what I mean? And so he has this to say, everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected. And they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. And here's his conclusion. The desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, and so there's this element, and maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about this, but it's certainly true in scripture that there is a way that you can be following after Jesus, professing his name, and yet not filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's an interesting like dynamic, and we, we are gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks. Kent is gonna come and preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it means as a Christian to be full of the Spirit. And so like he's, he's concluding that the gap that's being felt in the Christianity that you were maybe sold and the Christianity that you're experiencing right now is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so that, like, I wanna talk about the Holy Spirit today and kind of set the stage a little bit for where we're going over the next few weeks because um, you know, we can talk about the reactions that we have when I first mention the Holy Spirit. You kind of go, depending on your background, again, you're either like, Yes, excited, pumped out of your mind, or you're like, oh my gosh, like shouldn't have come to this church this morning. But 
breathe, just breathe out a little bit. It's going to be okay. There's two things that we have to know about the Holy Spirit. Um, first is that uh, this is who our church has planted ourselves down to be. Like, like if you've been through step one, if you haven't yet, you'll hear about Kent's desire star. And in the desire star is this picture and it's this vision to have a church, to lead a church where, where we don't see the charismatic side of churches and we don't see the evangelical side of churches as opposed to one another. We don't see the Bible in opposition to the Holy Spirit. We don't see prophecy in, in opposition to exegetical preaching. Like we, we see these things where we think, man, the church should have fire and it should have form. Both of these things go hand in hand together. We should be serious about worship. We should be serious about sermons. We should be serious about methods and statistics and data. And we should also be serious about encounter that you can't measure. Like all of these things just, they go hand in hand. We, we, like there's been such a delineating movement over the years in church to the point where I even have to say, like depending on your church background, because we've kind of created in American church culture this war between Bible churches and spirit churches. And it should have never been that way. And so like we've said, we put our stake in the ground as a church, like, hey, we're gonna try and hold the strengths of each hand in hand. Like that's what we're gonna try and walk out as a church. And so that's the first thing that you have to know, regardless of your background, regardless of your church experience, this is who we are. We are a church that's passionate about the Holy Spirit. We're passionate about the word of God. We love worship. We love preaching. We're in both of them. There's times that we flex harder in between different things, but it's important that we don't see them as opposed to one another, but friends with each other. The other thing is that we have to see that like, man, the Bible is like filled of instances with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just roll up at Pentecost. He's all over the place in scripture. And so now what I wanna move into is like a few things that we think of the Holy Spirit actually doing. So when I say like, I want us to be living according to the spirit, there's a few places we naturally run to that we think of first when you think of Christians living full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is really in no particular order, but the first one I think is we think of spiritual gifts. We think of spiritual gifts and we see in Romans and we see in Corinthians, we see in Ephesians, Paul listing out these gifts that God is going to supernaturally equip his people with so that they can carry out the works of ministry, so that they can build up and serve the body of Christ so that we might grow and mature in our faith. And this is absolutely true. We, like we should think about this when we see the Holy Spirit. God has uniquely gifted every single Christian Every single Christian has been given something. No one person's been given everything, but all of us have some sort of spiritual gift. The problem with spiritual gifts, and, and a lot of this we're gonna keep talking about in the weeks to come, and it should feel like review for you, but if it doesn't, and if you're kind of like, what, he is going so fast through some of these things, just know, man, this is like, according to the Spirit, was what we're in for the next several weeks to come, so just hang tight. But for most of us who have been around church for a little while, this should feel like review. The gifts of the Spirit are, are given to everyone. They're, they're like, the reason I think so many people get bored with Christianity is because we reduce it down to a spectator sport where we watch other people use their gifts rather than realizing like that God did not create us to be spectators. He designed every single one of us to be in the game, to play, to get your hands dirty, to get tired, to get worn out as you're using your gifts for ministry. That's how he's designed every single person. And we cannot, we, we can always desire for more spiritual gifts in our life. 
I think that's, I think that's one area that we should always be a little discontent. Like God, I use me for more. Like, would you just keep, keep using me for whatever it is that you want me to do? Here I am, however you want to use me, use me. The problem is, is when we start to despise the gifts that we know we've been given. That, like that's when it becomes a problem where we go, I just have hospitality. It's not even that exciting. I just have administration. I just, ha- I just this, like whatever the gift is that you're leaving there, we should never despise the things that God has equipped us with because it's the gift that he's given us. It, don't we feel this so much coming right off of Christmas? Like there's nothing worse as a parent and you kids didn't do this to me this year. You didn't do this to your mom and dad this year. I'm just saying as an example, when you give your kids a gift and they, they're just like, doesn't matter. It's like, ah, who, uh, whatever, next present. You know what I mean? God has given you a gift to be utilized for the building up of his kingdom, right? And so the problem when we run to gifts first, or maybe when we overemphasize the importance and the value of spiritual gifts, is it creates a sort of Christian hierarchy. So that those, those are the important gifts. The, like, oh, that teaching, that, the pastoring, those kind of things, those are the important ones. Those are the really pretty and attractive ones. I just have this, and so I'm less important. When, when all the while, as Paul, as Paul is using all of his different times that he's explaining the spiritual gifts to us, he's trying to create this picture of a body that would work together, that all parts are needed, all part, parts of the body are necessary for the body to do what it's supposed to do. So when we think about spiritual gifts, when we think about the Holy Spirit equipping you with a gift, the reason that you're here in part is because we need your giftedness to do the things that we're called to do as a church. Every single person, you have something that God wants to use in this body for the growing of his kingdom and for his glory. Like that's, that's why he's equipped you. And if we focus too hard on gifts though, what we're gonna create is this sort of Christian hierarchy system where those guys have the awesome gifts, those girls have the awesome gifts and these ones just have these ones and they're less valuable than it. should never be that way. It should never be that way. The other place that we like to uh, run to and think about um, when we think about the Holy Spirit is we think about the miraculous demonstrations of God's power. Right? And so I think about the conclusion of Luke, how, how Jesus is saying, go and, and wait in the city until you are clothed in power. And then right as Acts starts, Acts chapter one, verse eight starts with, and they received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then man, if there was a word that you could pick that would mark the book of Acts, it's this miraculous workings of God, God's power. Like his power is just so evident in Acts where you have thousands of people coming to faith. Like the, the salvific moment is maybe, that, is maybe the most powerful thing that we see in God's working. Like, like there is, there's awesome things about healing. There's awesome things about people being set free from things. But when they are saved, that is literally going from death to life. There is no greater miracle than salvation. And so in Acts, we see thousands of people coming to know Jesus. We, we see the, the apostles doing many signs and wonders, all kinds of healings, all kinds of miraculous things that are going on in the book of Acts. We see like, all the, like everything that you can think of is happening in Acts. And it's oftentimes what we run back to when we're saying, I wish we could get our church back to looking like that, right? Like that's what we tell ourselves is we go, oh man, I just want to see God's power like they saw it happening in the book of Acts. But when you, when you run too hard after just God's power and you put an overemphasis on God's power, you rob yourself of the importance of discipleship. Because power, like 
When, when God's doing crazy things, and like, I'm not saying for a second we shouldn't ask for healing, and we shouldn't ask for God to do crazy, powerful demonstrations in our day, but if we make that the thing that we major on, then we, we lose track of the fact that God does some of his best work in the ordinary and the mundane. So, so you know what's like, what's really God-honoring is when you wake up on a regular Tuesday and like, it's, you're not up in the third heaven at the time. You're not all caught up in some crazy awesome moment. You just sit down on your couch and you open your Bible and you read it. And it's like, it, that is what's gonna form you year after year after year. God's power is awesome. But if we, if we only live our life, our faith out in these mountaintop moments where we're so hungry and desperate for God's power, then we're gonna rob ourselves of how much he's able to do in the ordinary. And so... Yes, God's power is awesome. Yes, that is what we should think of when we think of the Holy Spirit is God pouring out in supernatural ways, doing crazy, wonderful, awesome, exciting things. But we shouldn't overemphasize that because then we lose the importance of just this daily following after Jesus. So we think of uh, the gifts of the Spirit. We think of the miraculous demonstrations of his power. Uh, the next one I think maybe we think of is his transforming progress. Uh, the word for this, the big word would be his sanctifying process that we're, not, that we're now all in as we're following after Jesus. So, so whether that's through the revelation of his scripture and he's just sort of making it, makes, helping it make sense to us. The Spirit is constantly revealing different things in Scripture. That's why you can read your Bible year after year and you read, you come back to the same verses and they land on you in different ways because God is doing this revelatory work as you're going to and looking at Scripture. He's illuminating it for you. But we also think about how the Holy Spirit is leading us to repent and he's leading us to put to death the things of the flesh like we read in Romans 8 and, and put on the things of Christ, the things that are leading us in the way of the Spirit. So it's a, it's a sanctifying, transforming work that he's just steadily doing in us that more and more and more, hopefully what's happening to us as Christians is the spirit is molding us into Christ-likeness as we're walking in our life. And so that's absolutely something we should think of when we think of the Holy Spirit. But when we put an overemphasis on the transformational progress, I think what that tends to do is it tends to detach us from the world. So if, we, if, our, if our whole focus is purity and becoming so much like Christ, in a way, it shouldn't do this, but what it does do in Christian circles is we get so obsessed with being pure that we're, we get so afraid of becoming dirty. And so we can remove ourselves from working and being involved in the world that we're living in. And so... Like we can't just have this, this crazy eyes set after like, God, would you just make me look so I just want to be holy. I just want to look like you. I just want to be pure to the detriment of us pursuing people who are not holy because that's our call as well. And it's so ironic to me that in our pursuit of Christ likeness, we miss one of the things that Jesus did most. But this is what happens in churches. We, we get so obsessed with being clean that we neglect those who are unclean. And so we, we can't focus too heavily on any one of those three areas specifically. So then really the question goes, so then what is it, what is it that we want to focus on? And really like, I'm explaining all of this because I think if we're going to introduce a, a series on the Holy Spirit and living our life according to the Spirit, I think our, it, it kind of feels like this daunting task because the Holy Spirit is such a huge topic. It feels ethereal at times. We miss it sometimes, what it can really mean. So what I want to do is really just, I want to simplify it this morning. Like what is the primary thing that the Holy Spirit is doing and what is it that we should be after? And, and 
J.I. Packer, who's a famous theologian, he just passed away actually this year, um, he says this, the Holy Spirit's primary role is to mediate Jesus's presence to us. So that's kind of a, a loaded statement. Let me show it to you in scripture. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what that sentence just said right there is our transformation is not going to come through these like rigid New Year's resolutions. All right, like, and I, I love resolutions. I love goals just as much as the next guy, I promise you. But if you, if you lose the weight this year, if you finally get in the rhythm of getting outside more, if you finally get into the habit of doing this this year, it's not actually going to transform you. Like what's going to transform you is our things that lead you to beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we pick our eyes up and fix our eyes on Jesus, that is where this transforming is, is going to come. And what this verse also just told me is it's going to happen slower than I want it to. Because I don't know how many degrees of transformation to glory there are, but I know that one degree at a time feels slow. Does it not? And you, go, and you maybe think, man, 30 years following Jesus, I thought, I'd, I thought I'd be at least here by now. And you realize it goes all the way to over there. There's just this transforming work one degree at a time as we're beholding Jesus. And so what, like what's our aim? This series would be to let the Spirit help us behold. Because look at what Paul writes in that last sentence. For this, this beholding, this transformation comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, so the Holy Spirit is, is mediating. He is helping us. He is getting us in the process of fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's bringing the presence of God to us. That, that's what he is doing. He is the presence of God. He's bringing Jesus and his character and his likeness to us. And so our aim for this series would just be to be more filled with the Holy Spirit because if we can be more filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're gonna behold Jesus better. He's gonna bring us, he's gonna mediate the presence of God to us. And in that, what's gonna happen? Then we're gonna get all of the things that we just talked about before. We're gonna to start to see gifts work in a way that is supernatural. Maybe they're, they're like more sanctified versions of things that you're already good at. But, but God is gonna work in you and put, he's gonna reveal gifts to you. He's gonna reveal callings to people. He's gonna show people why they were put on this earth. He's gonna demonstrate his power, I believe, through, through healings, through prophetic words, um, through all these different things. Like I, I'm hoping the miraculous happens, but it's not gonna come if we focus all our aim at the miraculous. We're gonna focus our gaze on Jesus. We're gonna try and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can see Jesus better. And then we will get the gifts. We will get the miraculous workings of his power and we will be transformed. We will be transformed one degree of glory to another. We're going to be transformed into his likeness. And so like the question really is for us today is like, are you, are you hungry for more of who Jesus is? Are you hungry for more of the Spirit's working in your life? Because I think if I could sit down with each of you and just have a conversation with you, I think in one of those few categories, you would say, I have this desire to be more like this, and I just feel like there's a gap. So, so let's just take the gifts one, for example. Like for some of you, you just go, I just feel like I'm, I was put on this planet for more than what I'm doing right now. 
and you just don't quite understand your calling yet, you don't quite understand what the, like the purpose that God has gifted you, tasked you, and sent you to do is yet. And I believe that gap is gonna be made with more of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. That as you are filled with and compelled by the Holy Spirit, you are gonna be sent into the places that you know you're called to go. You could take uh, the miraculous demonstration of his power. Um, there are so many of you, I, I could even just look around the room and you're just waiting for a prodigal to come home. And would you just love nothing more for than the Holy Spirit to just show up in a miraculously powerful way than by saving your prodigal, by bringing salvation to that person that you think is so far off from Jesus right now. Maybe there's just a healing that you've been crying out for. You have an ailment, you have a wound, you have this past thing that you just can't get off of. You have this thing that hurt so bad and you thought by now you'd be freed from that and it's still just bogging you down. I believe it's the Holy Spirit's presence that as you are filled with the Holy Spirit that is gonna, that's gonna bring that healing. And maybe it's not all gonna happen right now, but it's gonna start the mending process. It's, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna pour out, maybe just even through a word that somebody else at our church gives you sometime. That's gonna start to bring healing. It's gonna be this demonstration of God's power where you go like, yes, like that's what I saw when I read Acts. Like it was awesome. This person was healed. That person was healed. This person had a word for me and it was spot on. I believe it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna demonstrate miraculous workings of his power. The other one I think of like, uh, as we're pursuing purity, as we're like desiring to be transformed. There are some of you in this room that have this behavior. You have this pattern that you keep getting caught back up in that you wish you wouldn't, but you do. And I believe the gap between the person that you want to behave like and the person that you're behaving like currently is the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the person of the Holy Spirit filling you up so that you would set your mind according to the Spirit, not getting caught up and following after the compulsions of your flesh. Like every single one of us, for some of you, maybe it's just when I start to talk about God's presence, like you've heard about this intimacy with Jesus You've heard about these people who just like desire and crave to be in his presence, but you haven't encountered it yet. You haven't experienced it yet. I believe that experience, that encounter is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you in this series, in this year, maybe. And so for all of us, the question is like, as I go through that gap, like, do you feel that gap? And are you hungry for more of the Holy Spirit? Like, are you hungry? Are you eager for that to close? Because this is where we're going over the next few weeks is this just desire to be filled according or to be filled with and walking according to the Holy Spirit. And so with that, I'm gonna kind of like shift gears just a little bit because I wanna talk about what I'm gonna talk about next week. And I wanna give you a little bit of heads up of what's coming uh, for two reasons, really. I, I know some of y'all type A planners are gonna wanna know this ahead of time. And then I know also just that I want you to really seek the Lord over what you're supposed to do. So next Sunday, we're gonna have a message that's just all about fasting. And we are gonna kick off 21 days of, as a church, fasting and prayer together. So 21 days of fasting and prayer is what we're gonna start next Sunday and that's gonna wrap up on the 31st. And so I just wanna, who is this for? I think that's kind of the first question that I was asking myself is like, who am, I, who am I asking to fast? Anyone who calls this church home. If you call this church home, I'm begging you as your pastor that you would consider doing this with us. Now, there's several ways that you can go about a fast. Um, I'll go through the top three and then I'll kind of explain that non-food one at the end. But this is what I want you to consider. I really sought the Lord and said, okay, 
What kind of fast should we all do together? I know uh, one time, gosh, it's probably been like 10, 11, 12 years since we did a Daniel fast altogether. Uh, under Kent's leading, he felt like that was what we were called to do at the time. I didn't feel like we were all just specifically called to do a Daniel fast for these 21 days right now. What I do feel like though is all of us are called to fast something. So I think a Daniel fast is certainly worth considering. Doing 21 days, a Daniel fast primarily, you can look it up on your own as you're praying and considering this week, would be no meat, no processed sugar, really no processed foods is kind of the idea, and no raised bread. So it would be, it would be the fast that Daniel was on when he was in the king's palace where he said no to all sort of royal foods. No, no, no meat, no, no, nothing sweet, nothing like that, but it's just... It's just kind of fruits, veggies, and non-raised bread, non-yeast-filled bread. The second one that I think you should consider is even just doing a complete food fast. So going totally without food, probably not for the full 21 days, although there are people who, like, you, my metabolism, my kind of, like, way of life, I'm like, there ain't no way that's possible. And it is possible. You can do it. You can't do it. But, but maybe, for starters, what you'd consider is just doing water, juice, or broth for a day. And maybe for this 21 days, you pick one day of the week that you're going to fast. Maybe you pick a three-day stretch that you're going to do. I'm going to do a Daniel fast, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do three days of just, just water only in this stretch. Again, like, I really feel like what this is supposed to be doing is supposed to be sending you home to be spending time with the Lord so that you can decide which one of these God might have you do. The other one would be maybe a partial food fast. Maybe you give up lunch every day. Maybe you give up lunch weekly uh, on, a, on certain days, maybe three times a week for the duration of this 21 days. I think this gets really practical for, for people who are living with other people that uh, like a non-food fast is not an option or a Daniel fast is not really practical for your stage of life. I, I think of like, um, like it's just hard with kids to explain why we're, why we're fasting and why we're giving up certain things, right? I, I think there are certain age levels that you can absolutely have that conversation, but there are some times where it's like, I'm gonna have a really hard time explaining to Haven while we're not doing chicken with dinner. She thinks all meat is chicken at this point, just like beef, like whatever is chicken to her, right? And so why are we going without that? But I think the partial food fast is great because it doesn't implicate anybody else that you're living with. Maybe some of you don't attend church with your spouse. You don't attend church with your parents. Whatever the case may be, some of you, like it's gonna be really hard for you to dictate a, a whole food kind of fast for your household. And so maybe you do something where you're skipping lunch where it doesn't implicate the rest of your family. And then I think there are a couple categories of people that shouldn't really do a non-food fast. And again, we'll talk about this all next week. I really just wanna plant the idea this morning, but uh, like I'm a pastor, I'm not a doctor. We just got that all out on the table right now. Like I didn't, I didn't go to medical school. And so if your doctor is saying you have something going on that you should not do an all food fast, I'll say this, there's a kind of food that you can probably give up. There is a kind of food that you can go without but if, you, if a non-food fast is not an option, there are also plenty of other things that you can fast in this time. I do want everyone to consider doing a food fast unless you are medically unable to, or I think the other category would be if you already have an unhealthy relationship with food, and I don't think a food fast is the way that you would go about solving that necessarily. If you have an unhealthy relationship with food, I think maybe one of your first categories that you go after is the time that we're spending on social media, the time we're spending on Netflix, the time that we're spending watching the news. All of this, all of this I think is summed up really well in a quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones who, who says, fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate. 
<laughs> like, I love that. Like, if you're fasting things where you're like, like, I'm not going to say I'm giving up Brussels sprouts for three weeks. Because that's not, like, that's easy. That's not legit. You know what I'm saying? You got to fast something that's legitimate and in and of itself for the sake of something, for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. So again, we'll talk about this next week, but the point of fasting is not to prove to your body how hungry you can get. The point of fasting is so that we would be filled with something more, so that we'd starve our flesh, look past the things that are temporary, and fix our eyes onto that which is eternal. So that is the point of this fast. And so my, my hope for each of us would be that you would just spend this next week talking with your family, if you're with a family, and that you would consider with the person that you're living with, or if you're by yourself, that you would just pray and seek the Lord and say, okay, what kind of fast are we gonna try? Because beginning at sundown next Sunday, all, if, if you're here at Good Shepherd Church, my hope is that you would consider doing this fast with us. I'll just tell you, like I, I, I think, Katie and I haven't really talked about this yet, but I think probably my lean right now that I feel like the Lord is leading me to is to do a Daniel fast, but I'm also probably gonna give up all my social media for three weeks. I'm kind of like giddy about the thought of it. You know what I mean? Like just going without social media. But, but again, like I'm hope, I've just realized that that is taking up a lot of my time. And, and actually like science is start, starting to back the fact that social media and the internet and the likes that we're getting on Instagram and stuff like that are actually generating a lot of the same chemical responses in our brain that food is. And so like that, it's, it's a listening response to me that I don't love. And so I think it's gonna be important for me to step away from that for a little bit. And I'm gonna go with food. And we'll talk about the, the theme, just so you know, for next week, we're gonna talk about how abstinence or how, how kind of limiting our options is actually a pathway to abundance. And so that, like, this is what we're after here is not that we would just say no just to say no, but that we would say no so that we might see the, the unrivaled power of God show up in our life. So that we would see the unsearchable riches of his goodness in the way that we're walking in our day-to-day -day life so that we might just might be able to comprehend how good he has been to us. And as we fix our eyes on him, I believe people are gonna, people are gonna find new giftedness. They're gonna see demonstrations of his power. The Holy Spirit's gonna show up in profound ways. And, and I believe that uh, we're gonna maybe see some addictions broken from. We're gonna see some behaviors that are, that are put to death, finally, that we wanted to put to death. Like there's almost no end to what the Holy Spirit might do in this time. And I just wanna say kind of as I close here that I think over the year, what this is gonna kind of play out as, it really my hope would be that this, this works on two different planes according to the spirit, that there would be an individual plane that this works in, that, that we would be known as people at Good Shepherd Church, that we'd be individually known as people who are marked by the presence of God. Like people, people know that like those people at Good Shepherd, man, they might be a little weird. They might not be the smartest people I ever talked to in my whole entire life. Like that's Acts 4.13, it's my life verse, right? They're uneducated, common men, but you could tell something was different about them. It was plain to see they'd been with Jesus. Like I hope we can be individuals that are marked by the presence of God, that we would know our calling, that we would mark, that we would uh, have like holiness and purity mark our lives, that we would see the miraculous things happen in our life as we pray for people, as we're going about day by day. So that's the first plane is I hope it happens individually. But the second plane is I also how I hope this manifests itself somehow corporately. That like that as we gather on a Sunday morning, we're not, I think everybody in church circles knows that the answer is like, oh, you should be interruptible to what God wants to do on a Sunday morning. Amen. Like, uh, amen. Yes, we should be interruptible. But are we, are we seeking interruptions? 
Are we actually like going, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you wanna do right now? What do you wanna do right now? What do you wanna do right now? And so I'm hoping this, this like, and we're talking about this as a staff and we're kind of figuring out how we put form to the chaotic and like sometimes crazy workings of the Holy Spirit so that we might see more of him moving on a Sunday as well, on a Wednesday night in youth ministry, on a Sunday afternoon in middle school ministry, in, in, the, in the elementary room. How might we see the Holy Spirit show up in elementary schoolers' lives? They don't have a kid version of the Holy Spirit. That's not a thing. Like it's the Holy Spirit. It's God, the person who is bringing us into the presence of God. Like that is what he is doing. And so I just wanna see more of him. And I'm sure in your life somewhere, you wanna see more as well. The question really is, are you hungry for it? Which I know is kind of like an ironic question on the day that we talk about fasting. But are you hungry for the presence of God in your life? Like, and I just, I hope you are. And if you're not, I pray that you would just, it's shocking to me how many people have never even considered fasting before or have never fasted before. And so I'm just, I'm asking you, if you consider this home, would you do this with us? I believe it's gonna, it's gonna fill us up with the Holy Spirit in a, in a way that hopefully we haven't seen before. So would you go ahead and stand? I'm gonna pray for us as we close out our morning together. Well, Jesus, I pray that you would come even now. Holy Spirit, begin to lead us and guide us and, and show us what it is that we're called to do in this time as individuals, that we would, that we would see just clearly what kind of fast we should consider for this next few weeks, Lord. I pray that you would just be faithful to speak to your people over this week, God, that you would show up and that you would um, really be present with them and that you would lead them. And, and God, for the people who are sitting here and they're like, man, I'm just, I don't know. The Holy Spirit feels weird. I'm not that interested in getting that uncomfortable. God, would you just, would you just lovingly invite them in? God, for all of us, I pray that you would just bring our hearts in. That you would move and you'd create a, a spiritual appetite for us to pursue you. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We're thankful for what you're gonna do in this series. We're thankful for what you're gonna do in this year, God. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. We'll see you next week.